1: Welcome to the Common Good on AM 1160 Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins, My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's not just Tuesday today, man. It's it's the day you and I have been looking forward to this week. Huntley Brown is going to be in Ooh. studio for three segments, starting you guys are in for a treat, starting at four twenty. And I just I'm I'm giddy excited about this. As well, you should be. Why are you so giddy though? Let people know. So uh, I. Remember when I was at Wheaton, Huntley Brown used to come there. He is, a, he is a, an unbelievable piano player. Uh, but then also, uh, as we're going to talk to him about today, an author, a minister. He just has all sorts of different things. But as a piano player, he is just dynamic and yeah. energetic, and there's not much. And he's going to play today for us, which we've never done in, in studio. the studio. And – uh But I'm just, when I was at Wheaton, he would come every year and do a chapel, and it was everybody's favorite chapel. Oh, you've
2: mentioned that. That's right. His
1: daughter was in a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, to talk about her book, and he was here with her just... Proud Papa, just videotaping her the whole time. All of it. Yeah, I'm he's just, awesome. He's awesome. You know, like you and I like to talk. We like to discuss things. But having guys like this is kind of a real highlight to doing a show like
2: this. Well, and we have the same alma mater as well. So we're like Judson Judson brothers. You're
1: Judson buds. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. both from Jamaica.
2: That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> and it's it's going to be great just for Huntley Brown's accent. <laughs> like that Jamaican accent, every time I hear it, just I'm like, puts oh, everyone in a good I'm mood. happy. <laughs> uh, but my guess is, you know who's more excited than you and I? PJ producer oh, John. PJ, who's also a piano player. Uh, he, I think Huntley's gonna be playing his piano. He is. Oh,
0: he is. Nice, that's my
2: personal and only piano, and I brought it all the way from home. Woo! I'm super excited. You should <laughs> have him autograph it, like <laughs> yeah. one of the keys. Well, thanks, PJ. Thanks for that sacrifice. Yeah. So uh,
1: I think PJ, he's just he's ready to roll today. But I'm excited anyway. That's what's coming up next uh, for the rest of the hour, starting at 4:20. So. Uh, if you're not able to listen to it on your radio, go ahead and hit up the podcast later, and uh, it will be well worth your time, I'm sure, because it's – anyway, I'm, I've talked enough because I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, but anyway, we are glad you're joining us today. Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Twitter, at Common Good Talk. That's at Common Good Talk. Podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, other hosting sites. Uh, You can find us online at 1160hope.com. Well, uh, as we do a show like this, I think if you're like me, you start to see the same kind of news uh, kind of come through in different packaging, right? Uh, Every uh, couple months, it's the same one. So uh, this kind of religious freedom one, we felt like we were talking a lot about wedding cakes. uh, And now... Uh, There's a new one that's come out that has to do with I believe it's (laughs) wedding wedding videographers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is out of the National Review. It says a federal court strikes a powerful blow for free speech and religious freedom. Let me read a little bit of it uh, and then you can react earlier today. This being August 23rd. Uh, The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the constitutional order, limited the reach of expansive non-discrimination laws, and protected a Christian couple from having to choose between their business and their conscience. The facts of the case are simple. The, The plaintiffs, Carl and Angel Larson, are videographers who created commercial short films and live event productions. While they work with anyone of any race, sex, sexual orientation, or religion, they will not produce videos that advance viewpoints, that, in their opinion, violate their Christian beliefs. That includes videos that, quote, contradict biblical truth, promote sexual immorality, support the destruction of unborn children, promote racism or racial division, incite violence, degrade women, or promote any conception of marriage other than a lifelong institution between one man and one woman. The Larson's hoped to begin producing wed- wedding videos, but Minnesota interpreted its Human Rights Act to inc- require them to produce both opposite sex and same sex wedding videos or none at all. And then obviously it went into the courts uh, Alliance defending freedom through them. The Larson's filed suit claiming that Minnesota's rule would compel them to speak in support of messages that they oppose. The trial court ruled in favor of the state, the Larson's appealed. And uh, one of the key constitutional questions uh, is that of the first amendment. And it goes back and the Eighth circuit said this, uh, that they could, um produce videos uh and not be compelled to do ones of same sex marriage so uh that is kind of a big story for for free speech religious freedom i'm curious uh your what is your reaction to that
2: well i want to read a little bit from a different source i'm always trying to how do we how can i be balanced in this you know and as we know probably all too well at this point sources are incredibly Rarely biased balanced. right so no, So this is from New York Times uh, talking about this group, uh, which is called Telescope Media Group, TMG. Um, They had hoped to publish this statement on their website. Telescope Media Group exists to glorify God through top quality media production. Because of TMG's owners' religious beliefs and expressive purposes, it cannot make films promoting any conception of marriage that contradicts its religious beliefs that marriage is between one man and one woman, including films celebrating same-sex marriages. But the judge who dismissed the lawsuit said that the statement was, quote, conduct akin to a white applicant's only sign that may be prohibited mm. without implicating the First Amendment. It says this, posting language on a website telling potential customers that a business will discriminate based on sexual orientation is part of the act of sexual orientation discrimination itself. Adding, as conduct carried out through language, this act is not protected by the First Amendment. Mm. So that's an extra curveball then. We're not now we're not only talking about what clients a privately owned entity uh, take or deny. We're also talking about the language that they can and can't legally on their website. put on their website, right. Which is a whole other element. I, I, don't, I don't think that. we've gotten quite to this point with some of the previous uh, Baker discussions of of days of old. Yeah. So I'm curious what days you think. Of old. What do you what do you think of the statement that to put something like that on your website is quote conduct akin to a white applicants only sign.
1: Yeah, just hearing that now, I would say that I I don't think it goes to that level, but I understand why some people would see it that way. Yeah. And I guess I don't have a good way of articulating it just kind of hearing that. I I think they're different. Um, but I'm also aware that people that there is room for disagreement there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> How about yeah. that? What did you think when you read that from New York Times?
2: I honest, honestly, where I end up if I'm trying to imagine Anyone who is planning to get married, if if they're in a same sex relationship, they're like, I don't want you filming my wedding, right? Like, that's the piece that's the biggest question mark for me. Like, why would you even want if you if you know that this is their position and this is their uh, conviction, heartfelt? Why wouldn't you? Wouldn't part of you want to know that on the onset? Like, I don't mean that. Last thing I want to do is like force, especially for a day like that. I don't know. Like, make it into something else. Right, right. If somebody. I mean vice versa. You know, I, if somebody that I knew was a great videographer and he like begrudgingly filmed my wedding, but he's just like a devout Satanist. Yeah. I'd be like, this is this isn't fun for either of us. Yep, we don't yep. have to do this. Like I don't that's the piece that I'd love to like get inside the brains of people. Right. Um and I don't know if it's the case in this one, but right. well actually there wasn't a person who did it
1: in this, right, this escape, right. but I remember with the with the wedding cake one, people were trying to make a point a little bit by going to the guy. But you know it is this this concept of religious freedom is going to be one that's going to be front and center, Yeah. Um, as quite frankly, a lot of churches kind of divide more and more from what cult, where culture is going, and uh, it's going to be a touchy one. It's going to be interesting how it begins to affect us as pastors, uh, because we've been kind of shielded, and I'm, that that day might be coming to a close soon.
2: Well, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get well, there. We will. I, I
1: look forward <laughs> to that conversation. we well, coming up next. We teased it already. Huntley Brown going to be in for the rest of the hour. Uh, I would encourage you to stay with us. This is going to be a lot of fun. Huntley Brown going to join us in studio coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're glad to have you Joining us today, well, Ian, every now and then, uh, we enjoy every segment that we do, right? Like, we just have to throw that out there. But every yeah. now and then, we get pretty excited about what we're about to do, there's right? A,
2: there's a couple of stinkers in our past,
1: <laughs> for sure. You we gotta, enjoy
2: most of them. I'll say most of them. How can you know what's good if there's not bad, right? But, <laughs> yeah, you know, that was deep. Very poetic. Uh,
1: but every now and then, you and I, there's something on the calendar where we're like, all right, I'm super excited about yes, that. Yes, today is that day. Today is that day. As for uh, the next, uh, I don't know, three segments or so, uh-huh. we are going to have the pleasure to be joined by Huntley Brown. Huntley, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to be here, man. Good to be with you guys. Oh, thanks, Absolutely. Man. Well, a little bit of background. Huntley graduated from Judson University. Woo! There you go. <laughs> with a bachelor's degree in piano and from Northern Illinois University with a master's degree in piano performance. He's married to Annette. They've got four daughters and live in Aurora. And uh, Huntley is an author, a pianist, a minister, uh, and all sorts of other things. And so, Huntley, I guess I want to start all the way in your background. So uh, how give us a sense of the journey. Born in Jamaica, uh, and now you're here in Chicago uh, playing the piano and doing amazing concerts and amazing things. Walk us through that journey a little bit. You know, all I can
3: say is God has a sense of humor. (laughs) That's the only way you can explain a Huntley Brown, you know. (laughs) Like you mentioned, I grew up in Jamaica, grew up in a poor family, but we had lots of Jesus. Mm. I mean, my parents made sure that we went to church. Sundays went to church on Wednesdays or Thursdays, Friday and Saturday. So I got to know Christ early on. Mm. And um, when I was nine years old, I made a personal commitment, Mm. you know, to follow Christ. And um, the question I had early on was, am I going to heaven or hell? Yeah, right. That was the one writing question I had. Everyone would come to church and say, Am I going to heaven or hell? Yeah. So in just before I got to high school, I saw a film called The Burning Hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, after seeing that film, I ran to the altar and I gave my heart to the Lord. And that night I was truly transformed. Wow. I was transformed. Um, the next day I got up, I felt something was different. Wow. And I knew my life had changed. And that's the first change. The second change happened, my parents decided they wanted a piano. We could not afford a piano in our home. Mm. But my mother believes that with God, all things are possible. Wow. (laughs) So we went by the school where some nuns were teaching a convent, and they had this old, dilapidated, (laughs) rat-infested, (laughs) roach-infested piano. (laughs) My mom decided to buy this piano. Of course. And they said to her, well, give us $50 for the piano. So she paid $50. We took the piano home. And that's how I started to play.
2: No kidding.
3: Wow. Thank God that she
2: did, right? Cause I, so I've heard you a number of times. I remember the first time I came to Judson. I think you actually played one of the very first chapels I was there. I remember thinking, who is this guy? Like, I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to know your story. And you, so you gave us a couple of uh, kind of pointers from your life. And the thing that's standing out to me is that because you worked with the Billy Graham Association, yes. you've actually played a personal concert in Billy Graham's home. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Would you just tell us about that experience? That
3: was truly one of the highlights of my life. Really? Mm. You know, Billy Graham truly was my earthly hero. Mm. I had a few heroes. And um, I was over in um, Ireland, Belfast, I think, many years ago. And I met Billy Graham's daughter, Ruth. Oh. And I said to Ruth, you know, Ruth... Um, I love your parents. Mm. I'd love to meet them one day. I was a part of the Graham Association for many years, but never met Dr. Graham at the time. Mm. And Ruth said, well, let me see what I can do. So <laughs> she came back home and she called me. She said, well, are you free this weekend? Stop. I said, I kid you not. Wow. That weekend. Yeah, well, no, 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 a couple of weekends after that. I mean, oh, that's yeah. crazy. It was amazing. Wow. And so I got down there and I got there Friday. But when I got there Friday, um, um, Dr. Graham's driver said, do you want to see George Beverly Shea?
4: Doesn't sure, yeah, right,
3: Georgie? Come on, yeah, I don't need to see Shay. No, I'm fine. <laughs> so we got there. I was only supposed to say hello, but we were there until maybe eleven o'clock at night. Oh my goodness! Playing wow. the piano, and then he said, "Here's what Doctor Graham and Mrs. Graham likes." Mm. So that was Friday night, Saturday. I got to see Doctor Mrs. Graham. No kidding. And when I got there, I mean, Doctor Graham, he kept asking me about me. Wow. And I kept saying, Dr. Graham, don't talk about me. <laughs> right, right. I want words of advice from you. Yes. You are my hero. Right. And, you know, he just, he makes everybody feel special. Wow. Yeah. And um, it was truly a highlight to play for him. In the beginning, they brought Mrs. Graham um, in her wheelchair before the piano. Mm. And she just gave me a request. Wow. And I just played her favorite hymns. And following that, Dr. Graham came in and we had the most amazing afternoon. And you were just playing from memory? Oh, you yes.
2: Were, <laughs> of course. Of Everything course. is from memory. <laughs> Gosh. I was going to say, I'm looking even now at your piano, which we'll yeah. hear from a little bit later. You don't, I don't know that I've ever seen you use sheet music. No. At all. Never. I, I really That's do. crazy. Oh, that's amazing. So you've kind of given
1: your life uh, to playing the piano and giving kind what is it that you love about playing the piano?
3: What kind of sparked that in you from the beginning? You know, playing the piano is like worship. mm mm-hmm. It's like something inside of me what, that I want to give God back, something he's given yeah. to me. I believe God gives everybody a gift at birth. Mm. What we do with His gift is what we give back to God. And so when I discovered God gave me the gift to play the piano, I decided to use this gift as a tool of worship. Wow. I just want to make God happy. Mm. So when I play the piano, I feel like I'm making the Lord happy. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So one of the things that actually, Brian and I,
2: because we're both pastors, the topic that keeps coming up is how on earth do you balance... Like family and ministry? Because it feels like so often those lines get really blurred, and I know that you're traveling, and you're writing, and you have all these requests. How do you personally balance sort of ministry and family life stuff in the midst of all the chaos?
3: That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what I do. Many years ago before I got married, I saw a program on television with George um, Benson, I think his name is, guitarist, mm-hmm. famous guitarist. Yeah. And he was on tour and he came home and his wife asked him a question that literally changed my life really and the question was the little daughter asked her said the little daughter said to her mommy where does daddy live oh my god oh. where does daddy live heartbreaking and when i heard that question I said Huntley brown you better figure out how you're going to balance family yes. with ministry. Yeah. So what I did, I dis- decided early on that um, my family came before my ministry. Mm-hmm. Many musicians will travel for three months, and they're gone a long time. and never do that. Mm. The truth is, I am home more than I'm gone. Wow! Mm-hmm. So I travel mainly weekends. If I'm going internationally, I'll go one week, then I'm right back home. Years ago, I would go to Korea for one week, come back come back home, then go to Korea again.
0: Wow!
1: I make
3: sure that I'm home more than I'm gone. That's number one. Number two, I make sure my prayer life is more important than my musical skills. Oh, that's good. So I spend time in prayer, and I make sure as a family, we pray all the time together. Yes. And I make sure that my kids know that they are more important than the music or the ministry. That's so good.
1: Yeah. Uh, So like you, you know,
3: when I was in college at
1: Wheaton, uh, Huntley used to always, it was a tradition, it was always the chapel before before fall break, so all the kids oh, really? are excited to go on fall break. Yeah. And I don't know how the tradition started, but Huntley Brown came in every chapel before fall break was Huntley Brown. So you knew it all four years I was there, hmm. and uh, you always brought the house down with. Uh, I believe it was when the Saints go marching in it was how yes, you ended yes. every chapel.
0: You remember? I well. still remember this. Like <laughs> these chapels
1: were That's You go through three chapels a week, and you're like, "No, nah, let's just be nice and say not all of them stick in your mind." <laughs> <laughs> you and, uh, but these, right, do. these, these, right. these yeah. do. These do.
3: These do. You know, Brad, I wish your foot is trouble with that. The first chapel. I at Wheaton I thought I was in trouble here's what happened (laughs) (laughs) you have this wonderful Steinway Grand Piano and I think I was playing the Lord's Prayer and Mm -hmm. there's a huge rumble and in the middle of the song I broke a string (laughs) it was almost it was so loud It's almost like a gunshot (laughs) going up pow I was going to say I've never even heard that before (laughs) I know it was amazing and I said Huntley they will never invite (laughs) you back (laughs) afterwards all the students lined up saying man it's a clean break yeah right and i became like a legend at wheaton (laughs) how does one even break a piano you play it hard (laughs) you know i I, I have a black belt in the martial arts true story i do i do (laughs) yeah yeah, true story so it could have been maybe the martial arts strength i don't know that's
1: awesome well that's all well Thankfully, Huntley's going to stay with us, so we are going to continue on. And in fact, next, we have got to encourage you to stay with us because uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, but Huntley's brought, uh, brought his keyboard, his piano here, and he is going to play a song. And he told me it's six minutes long, and I cannot <laughs> wait. Uh, we are going to do that next with Huntley Brown here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. On AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm, and we are uh, honored to be joined right now by Huntley Brown. Huntley is an author, a minister, he is a pianist, uh, and he has crazy stories. So before you play for us... Uh, between uh, segments there, you were telling Ian and I about the time you were the featured artist at the Concert for Peace in Ireland, and we both looked at each other and said, uh, that needs to go on the radio. So <laughs> can you tell us a little bit of
3: that story? Sure. You know, I was over in Coventry, England, many years ago, the Billy Graham Association. And while there, I met um, Reverend Alan Mitchell from Ireland, and he hmm. said, would you like to come to Ireland? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe he was serious, but he really was. So he wow. threw myself and my wife over. Wow. We got there. The whole tour. Then he called me back and he said, Huntley, I have an idea. Hmm. I said, uh-oh, what idea is this? <laughs> right. He said, well, I want to do a concert of peace. Featuring both sides. And I want you to be the featured artist. Wow. Mm. So I said, let me get this straight. You want to bring Northern Ireland <laughs> and the Republic of Ireland together under one roof? Yeah. And put little Jamaica me in the middle of all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a TV show, right? i <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> said, so have to pray. But anyway, we did the first um, concert. It was an unbelievable success. And it get getting bigger and bigger and wow. bigger. Wow. And we'll have the concerts at the Waterfront Hall, which is like the Carnegie Hall. Wow! And the last one we did, um, because I was able to witness peace come to Ireland. I mean, it was a truly amazing story. But the last one we did, we had um, the Queen's Band from England, and we had the top Irish band on the same stage. Wow! And the media came and they said to us, what are you guys doing? This had not happened since 1927. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And we literally, I'm not saying we did it because, you know, you cannot take credit for what God did. Yeah. But we literally saw peace come to Ireland.
1: Oh, what a powerful story! What That's a powerful amazing. story! That's incredible. Well, Huntley is going to play for us, which I uh, just sit back, man. We they might take us off the air and just have him do this <laughs> two hours a day every That'll day. Okay. I'd be okay with that. And so uh, let's go ahead, and we are going to have the uh, the pleasure to listen. This is Huntley Brown.
2: i i feel like i'm in the presence of greatness i don't i'm kind of speechless the only question that keeps coming to my mind watching you play i've never been this close actually by the way just watching you play it's something pretty powerful to be a part of what what is going through your head and your heart when you play a song like that like what's it like to be huntley brown playing something like that
3: wow that's a very good question you know it's all about worship of God. Mm. And there is something amazing about getting to His presence through worship. Mm. And when I realize God, God loves it when we praise Him, I like to make God happy. I try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I disappoint Him many times, yeah. <laughs> like all of us do. Same. <laughs> Same. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. when I think about how wonderful, how good, how great, how awesome He is, and when I start playing, it's almost like, to be honest you almost become a different person. Yeah, and Sincerely. Right. And we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When I know what it's like to play when I'm anointed, like, no. I guess, <laughs> yes, <laughs> so mm. And I know play without it. Oh, yeah, wow. Mm. And when you're playing and you can sense the presence of the Lord, it's an amazing experience. I mean, it's almost wow. like, almost to a certain degree, out-of-body experience.
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Right. I can almost see it in your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. There's a a sense of realizing exactly what you're talking about. Well, A, I'm excited we get to take a break right now because I think I just need to catch my breath just from watching that. I
1: wish everybody could have been in here just to watch that. that. Uh, But thank you, Huntley. You get to stay for another segment and we get to talk more and uh, talk about uh, also about a book that you uh, have written called Keys to Avoiding Deception, Keys for Living, uh, but also to still kind of unpack. Uh, all that we just saw right there. So thank you for that. That's coming up next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm, and we've had the pleasure to be joined uh, for most of the past hour by Huntley Brown. So, Huntley, thank you for giving us so much of your time today. This is really fun. Uh, I'm still catching self- my breath. Selfishly, <laughs> we're going to say we need to do this again. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. <laughs> you heard it, folks. He said anytime. That's yeah, a promise. Uh, so, Huntley, you also, uh, besides touring and playing the piano, you somehow found time to write a book called Keys to Avoiding Deception. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit? Why'd you write a book? What's this
3: book about? You know, um, a couple of years ago, I read a few verses in the Bible that literally scared me. Hmm. You no, know, like I mentioned, I have a black belt in the martial arts. Yeah, times. right. <laughs> <laughs> not too many things scared me, but these verses from Matthew 7, 21 to 23 yeah. literally scared me. They said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. But only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. The verses go on. On that day, many, when I saw the word many, I got concerned. He said, many will say to me, Lord, did not we do all these things in your name? Mm. And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm. After reading those verses, I got scared and I had two questions. The first question was, who are these people? Yeah, yeah. Who is Jesus talking about? He's obviously talking about people in church on Sunday. right? And the right. second sec- question I had was, what do I need to do to guard myself to make yeah. sure yeah. I never hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. So I went on this journey, but I discovered the journey started earlier. After leaving Judson University, you know, I went to Judson, Uh went to Northern Illinois University. Mm. And when I got to NIU, they were asking me questions I couldn't answer. Mm. Questions like, how do you know there's a God? Mm. How do you know the Bible has not been tampered with? How do you know all roads do not lead to God? And at the time, I didn't have adequate answers for the questions. So I we went on this journey, and I had a meeting. Here's a true story. I had a meeting with myself. Mm. I sat down. And I said, Huntley Brown, let's <laughs> talk. <laughs> let's have a chat. Let's <laughs> yes, have a chat. I said, Huntley, why do you believe what you believe? Yeah. And after examining my belief system, I discovered my belief system was not based on my own critical thinking, mm-hmm. but on what I learned from my past and my friends and my parents, et cetera. So the question I had was, what if there are things they taught me that was wrong? Right. How would I know? We all know today how many worship leaders and pastors are walking away. Mm. And I I want to address that as well if we have time. But when I discovered that, Huntley, you need to know why you believe what you believe, I went on my own journey. And going on my own journey, I had to discover God for myself. Mm. And so I said, Huntley Brown, what is deception? Deception is believing you are right when you are wrong Mm. and you do not know it. Wow. That's what deception is. Believing you're right. When you're wrong, you don't know it. Yeah. So I went to journey to kind of solidify my own belief system. Yeah.
2: No kidding. All
3: right. So he- here's
2: what I've been thinking listening to you talk. So piano playing is one form of artistry, right? Yes. Writing, authoring a book is a whole different form of artistry. You mentioned the black belt thing. And it's literally called martial arts, right? right? So yes. you're, you're an artist in the truest sense of the word. But I'm curious. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. What is it like s- shifting gears into different kinds of art forms? Because I imagine writing a book. Mm-hmm almost feels like flexing an entirely different muscle than like learning a song or writing a song. What, what's that artistic journey been like for you? Like kind of dipping a toe in so many different kinds of waters.
3: You know, can I use a modern day um, analogy? Yeah. Think of the movie, the matrix Yeah, nah. <laughs> it's a movie where you go to the phone booth and they give you this download. Yeah. Right. I feel the same way about God. I believe that God has different gifts for different people. No, right. there are certain gifts that you get at birth where God gives you. But I believe if you go into God's presence and say, God, I want to reflect you. I want to represent you. Mm. Can you anoint me to do something beyond myself? Mm. And he'll anoint you to do different things that you would not be able to do normally. Yeah. Because people think of me just as a pianist. But I say, but God, I have something to say. I want to have an impact in the world. Will you right. anoint me to write? Oh, right. wow. Will you, the scripture says, Proverbs 3, verse 6, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, he shall direct thy path. Mm. Yeah. So I make sure I kind of go into a serious time of prayer to say, God, here I am, use me. That's yeah. really it. Yeah.
1: So, I was just thinking of this when you were telling the stories about being over you know doing the concert of peace or at Billy Graham's house uh just you must look back in amazement at the places you've gone right and it's amazing is there is there like a bucket list item or two like I wanna play there. Or I want to go there? Is that not how it works? I'd be curious what's on your bucket list.
3: No, you are right about that. You know, sometimes I pinch myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really do. There's a couple countries I still want to go to. I haven't been to Australia yet. Oh, well, and we can different. make that happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> <A remote. laughs> the, common, the common good's coming with, though. You got a deal. I have not been to Australia, so I definitely want to go to Australia sometime. Yeah. And, um, you know... Let's see. That's a very good question. What is on the bucket list? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, we have had quite a. God's been good. You've done a lot. Yes. Yeah. He's been good. So, do you have other projects
2: that you're working on? I don't even really know what your like calendar or workflow even looks like. Do you have something that you're like, yes, right now, this is the next project or the next baby that's really like kind of captured your attention?
3: Yes, I have about uh, three or four different things I'm (laughs) working on right now. (laughs) I'm working on two new books. But here's an idea, and uh, you know. I'm the artist in residence at Jersey University. Yeah. So oh. I, have a, I have a great idea. I want to talk to the Jamaican government about mm. uh, one set up a mobile music school system in which um, people around the world can type into Skype or some, or, you know, some other form of technology. Yeah. And you can sit right in your living room and impart that knowledge to them while they're overseas.
1: Wow. So that sounds fantastic. I, I've
3: been working on that. And okay. you can implement that in Africa. Implemented in the Caribbean, but I'm still working with all the details for that right now.
2: That's amazing. And you mentioned a couple of things. So two books, yes, the same
3: time you're keeping <laughs> somehow juggled in your brain. That's right. And what are those about? You know, I'm doing a book on devotions. As a matter of fact, as uh, a family, uh, every single day I write, well, I should say every weekday, hmm. I write a devotion for my family. No kidding. If, wow. you're, if you're on Facebook, you can look on Facebook. I, I put, posted one today for everybody to see, really. Yeah, but my, my daughter went to school, she's in college, she said, Dad. I cannot find a good devotion. That's what she was at the time, mm-hmm. until my daughter wrote her book. So I decided, as a family, I am going to do a devotions book for my kids every single day. No kidding. We, so I've been doing one for about the last two years.
1: Wow. Now I feel guilty as a dad. I say, you're,
2: you're such a better person than we are. Like. I, need, no, no, no. I, need, I need him to be dad in residence <laughs> at my house. Yeah, yeah. Can I Skype in for that? Yeah. How to be a good dad with OnlyBrown.
1: Awesome. So you've told us so many different projects. You've got books. You've got, I'm sure, a touring. You're all over yes. the place. Uh, where can people go to find out how they can see you? Website, Facebook. Yes. Give us all the information so people can keep up with you.
3: Just remember my name, Huntley Brown. And put that org. So mm-hmm. dot org so h u n t l e y b r o w n. dot org o r g and also we're on Facebook we have two pages we have the Huntley Brown Ministries pages like yes or just type in Huntley Brown and you'll find me that's wow. perfect
2: all right with the, like the thirty seconds we have left I would love to know anyone listening, whether they know you or not, how, how can we be praying for you? Mm.
3: You know, pray for me. Right, we're in a season of um. who should I describe it to you? Challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother is fighting Alzheimer's right oh, now. I'm I'm sorry. So sorry. And that is really been a heartache for all of our family. Yeah. yeah. But pray that the Lord will give us direction for this next season. Yeah, After absolutely, peace. absolutely. Well, Huntley,
1: thank you so. This has been. I don't know. Have everyone else out there enjoyed it? But this has been super fun for us. Guess. Yeah. Uh, everything. And uh, we are grateful. We'll take you up on the offer to have you back in sometime. You're going to go Australia with you. Right. Australia <laughs> with you. We joked off air, if you, you know, as I close, if you could take us out with a little chopsticks, maybe, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> so that's inspiring. It's like, like asking Michael Jordan just to take a layup. So you know what I'm saying? So anyway, see, Huntley, he even made
2: chopsticks cool. He did. He did. Well, you can find him
1: at HuntleyBrown.org. HuntleyBrown.org. Keep up on everything where you can yes. see him. Uh, where you can read them. Huntley, thank you again. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
0: It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives, this is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good on AM
1: 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simkins. my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday evening. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, you can continue the conversation at Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That is The Common Good Radio Show. Twitter at Common Good Talk, at Common Good Talk. Uh, and find our podcast wherever it is Uh, you get your podcast can we just take a deep breath and
2: uh and bask in the Huntley Brownness of the last 45 minutes (laughs) bask is the right word can I also say this though sometimes like his general positivity and vibe like he's obviously mega talented that's definitely one part he's like he's just so great to be around like he's such a humble dude he like I just feel like when it he's really with was, you, he's like is, really yeah. like dialed in. I, I don't know. I, I appreciate him so much. Yeah, I really did
1: uh, enjoy our time together. If you don't know what we're talking about, we just had Huntley Brown in, in studio for the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, the beauty is you could go find that at the podcast. That's so right. wherever it is, you get your podcast uh, search, uh, The Common Good. Uh, and you will find us and you see our two smiling faces. Click on that one. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies for those faces, by the way. That's... At some point, we we'll need to either redo the pictures or just embrace those pictures.
2: Yeah, I, I vote the latter. The no, ladder. the former. The former. Sorry. Sorry. I, <laughs> I always, always make those, those up. wrong. <laughs>
1: I I, it's funny because in the pictures I'm wearing a shirt much nicer than I've probably worn in the eight months we've done this this show together. We have
2: it framed on the wall in the studio. Actually, (laughs) the shirt itself, (laughs) the only thing Brian's ever worn this nice.
1: Oh, that's funny. So uh, if you didn't know already, we are getting uh, towards uh, the presidential election and going head head first into the presidential election. Uh, And with that, the Associated Press uh, released an article August 26th about um, Pete Buttigieg, and uh, he is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He is running uh, on the Democrat, for the Democratic uh, nomination to run against President Trump um, or against Joe Walsh, I suppose. And um, <laughs> and uh, Buttigieg has been kind of needling a lot of the right about religion, and also kind of saying, "Hey, I'm more religious than Donald Trump," and here are kind of my credentials. Uh and so I want to uh, talk about that a little bit this article out of the AP uh and then somebody we had on the show recently uh tweeted about it that I thought was uh somewhat interesting. So um what is this AP story here about?
2: Oh, great question, Brian. Let me uh <laughs> pretend to know. No. Um so there's a question about climate change, and uh, here's here's how Buddha Judge responded. He said, there's a lot about the stewardship of creation that is in scripture that I don't see being honored by the administration right now. Not to mention the stuff about loving your neighbor and taking care of the least among us and feeding the poor, the South Bend, Indiana mayor said. The crowd of about 250 at a Mississippi River park in southeastern Iowa this month erupted with cheers. Republicans for a half century have built a loyal following among white evangelical Christians. But Buttigieg, like no other Democrat seeking the 2020 presidential nomination, is trying to demonstrate that there's a strong religiosity among Democrats too. President Trump's reelection. Fortune uh, fortunes are rooted deeply in the unshakable support among religious conservatives. But Buttigieg's regular references to his own Christian faith offer a counterweight that could be an influential asset in Iowa and beyond as Democrat uh, Democrats. Perry, right? the secular labels that Republicans have tried to apply to them. So um, what I think is so interesting about this is that that one sentence demonstrating that there's a strong religiosity among Democrats, too, that already I imagine Mm. some people are hearing that and their blood pressure is increasing. And I would ask you just take a deep breath for a second, because I think and we read this article four or five weeks ago where generally the uh the assessment that the right has of the left and the left has of the right is typically pretty wrong, and there's all these studies to kind of support the idea that like we tend to think the worst of whoever the other team is or uh-huh. the other voting party is and what I think is so interesting about Buttigieg is that he seems to actually know his Bible pretty well, and he's not just using it as a mascot he's not just kind of trying to uh you know quote a couple of verses out of context like he seems like there there is some some deep commitment to that, that I think a lot of people are kind of, I don't know if they're confused by or riled up by, or like, what well, I don't even know what your general sentiment has been. Like, what have you been hearing about Buddha judge and sort of his religious posturing?
1: So I think that there is uh Buddha I think it's showing uh, a bit of a, a disconnect between progressive Christianity uh, and more conservative Christianity. And kind of that is, Interesting because even in the article it says he is shooting for the progressive Christians. Right. Like you can't in this conversation you've got to acknowledge that Buttigieg um, is is a married gay man, which is disqualifying for a lot of more conservative Christians, but but exciting I would say for more progressive Christians. And so he's shooting at a certain one. But he, of all this article even says not since Bill Clinton has a Democratic candidate talk so much about faith and tried mm. to court. Uh, a, a faith um, angle. Mm. And, and then he even says he's trying to back away from it. He's like, I don't want to sound a pious. I just want to have conversations of faith. He says great stuff about welcoming the stranger and visiting those in prison um, and other things. Uh, but as a tweet from somebody uh, that we found on the show before said this, he said uh, to this article, he said things that are unlikely to appeal to evangelicals. Hiring a Unitarian Universalist as your religion guy. So that's mm. what Buddha Judge did. His, his religious advisor, right. uh, he went with a Unitarian Universalist. That kind of pegs him a little bit, right? Yep. That yep. pegs him. Right. Uh, number two, And it pegs who he's going for. Right. Uh, number two, telling evangelicals they aren't real Christians for believing in biblical definitions of marriage. There's, again, a dividing line uh-huh. there. Right. And number three, supporting abortion without apology. There's a dividing line there, and this guy then writes, other than that, yes. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think we can acknowledge Buttigieg does say some good things, but I think he highlights just in his words – he's not even trying to do this. I think he becomes a good representation for us of kind of the divide in um, cultural Christianity between Mm -hmm. conservatives, uh, evangelicals, if you will, and the more progressive end. And I think Buttigieg is really – uh, he's really gaining traction with the progressive Christians. And probably this tweet here shows why he's probably not going to, for more evangelical, more conservative Christians, I well, would say.
2: And I do want to take the time to say this as well, because my, my buddy Jim Fixton was uh, actually mentioned in this article. Man, you and buddies uh,
1: every article we read, you're like, my buddy did this? I'm like, <laughs> I
2: haven't had a buddy in an article yet? Well, and I want to, I want to do him right, because the article does say, Jim Thixton, a DeWitt car dealer, but online he's known as Car Guy Jim. And he was like, oh, they could have at least thrown me a car guy, Jim. So this one's for you. I'm saying car guy, Jim, Jim Fixin, a DeWitt car dealer asked uh, Buttigieg if he planned to try to peel off voters from the Christian right. And Buttigieg said the opportunity is greater than ever, given the dissonance between Trump's record and Christian teachings to show all voters that Republicans are snubbing the Bible's teachings on caring for the poor. Quote, it's an offense to not only our values, but theirs as well, which is where I think Ragsdale. Did you mention his name? Chad Ragsdale is the guest that we had. He's the tweet that we're reading. Make some interesting points. He's like a lot of these comments. If you're trying to appeal to evangelicals, there's uh, some stuff that's just never going to connect with them. Yes. Mainly the three that he's listed here, which I think is super interesting. And I wonder if you resonate with those three, if you would alter them, if you would add to them or take away from them. Like, do you think Ragsdale here is right by listing those three things that are unlikely to appeal to evangelicals? I think they're three pretty big ones. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I think they're three pretty good ones. Again. I think that in some ways, Buttigieg showed his cards and in, in, in bring on any Unitarian Universalist. That's fine. That's his move. That's right, okay. Right. You're just signaling something there. Hmm. Uh, and then obviously talks about uh, gay marriage and support of abortion. Like those are biggies. Like those are real big ones. If you've listened to this show, you know. Um, but also, I do think we need to be challenged by the fact that he also uh, speaks really well and really, if I would say it this way, biblically uh, about care for the poor. Uh, about some other things that I think even the more conservative evangelicals need to go, okay, I can resonate with that and we need to hold our candidates if he's not yours to that same standard. I don't think it's so black and white that you're like all bad, all good. And that's yeah. where we get ourselves in trouble. I do think what Chad Ragsdale says here, I think those are three biggies that it would it would stop me from 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 voting for him.
2: Yeah, I think this is interesting. Uh, Pew Research Center survey conducted in late July and early August found that 15% of white Mainline Protestant Democrats said they preferred Buttigieg in the primary contest in an open ended question. That's compared with 0% of black Protestants. Oh, interesting. So that's maybe a whole other that we didn't Pandora's box that we didn't yeah. even write. Like that to me, huh, I wish we had more time to tackle this stuff because that, I, I'd love to know. Now I want to do my own research to figure out. So what's the disconnect there? Like, why, yeah. why are we seeing those numbers so different? Guess what? This election's a long way off. We're going to have, we have plenty of time. Of conversations about this. Well, coming up next.
1: We are going to talk about an article written by uh, Karen Swallow Pryor. uh, Is your alarm
2: alarm going off? My alarm's (laughs) just going off here.
1: I can't (laughs) stop it. Uh, Karen Swallow Pryor wrote an article in Christianity Today about uh, our screens and reading Bibles on screens hurting discipleship. I think it's a really interesting topic that we're going to tackle next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Oh, that was,
2: that was good. That yeah, was nice. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to meet the music where it's at. <laughs> meet the music where it's at. The forthcoming book by Brian Fromm. <laughs> meet the music where it's at. <laughs> it's just a picture of you shrugging your shoulder. Kind of I don't know where to <laughs> meet you. Oh, that laugh and
1: voice. The other one you hear is Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That is the Common Good Radio Show. Twitter is at Common Good Talk, at Common Good Talk. Uh, you can find us online at 1160hope.com, and you can podcast us wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, well, Christianity Today, an article came out uh, by Karen Swallow Pryor. You have you said off air you're a big fan of hers. and
2: um, I most certainly am. Good, She's brilliant.
1: I, Prof at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Prof at Liberty. Uh, so you can follow her at KS Prior P-R-I-O-R, uh, and you can see a lot of her work. But it's entitled this at Christianity Today, Screens Are Changing the Way We Read Scripture. She writes, Christianity is a religion of the word. People are a people of the book. These distinctives have defined the Christian faith from the beginning, even before the age of print that brought us books. As we enter what many are calling a post-literate age, Pastors can help remind people that the essence of the Christian faith centers on the word. So she writes, long before the printing press and widespread literacy, God was cultivating a relationship with his chosen people focused on the written word. The words God carved into a stone at Mount Sinai including a, included a caution about images, setting up a peculiar word-based relationship with his followers that contrasted starkly with the image-worshipping pagan nations surrounding the Israelites. This trend continues throughout church history, according to David Lyle Jeffrey in People of the Book. Uh, And it says, Despite the centrality of the written word from the beginning of God's revelation, many generations of believers were unable to read the Bible for themselves. So before the Reformation, biblical words passed through priests, supplemented by images depicted in stained-glass windows uh, and drama troops, uh, performing biblical stories, these symbols offered rich beauty, but images alone cannot convey the abstractions of doctrine. Thus, in the pre-literate age preceding the Reformation, the Bible was delivered and understood only in pieces. And then it goes on and on to talk about how the written word uh, becomes um, the focus. What were some of your? Uh, I see lots of stars and lots of underlines for you. What are some <laughs> of the things that you highlighted here?
2: So here's here's what I find really interesting. I think this is kind of the This is where she begins to land it a little bit. She writes, more than half of Bible users include some form of digital reading, searching, or listening in their Bible usage. A survey reported in a 2015 Journal of Religion article titled E-Reading and the Christian Bible finds that a majority of respondents, 58%, cited ease and convenience as a major advantage of digital Bibles. Pastors must consider whether this characteristic is one they should tap into or disciple people away from. That's such a good question. Many churches already provide physical Bibles during services, but a gentle nudge to use them instead of a Bible app, uh, a page number to help them flip to the correct spot, and a few extra seconds before reading the passage aloud may be worth the slight inconvenience. I think that is so spot on because there's, uh, at Poplar Creek, we actually did this where we had the Bibles underneath, which as an aside, I found this like sweet deal and I got in like a box of 300 for a nickel or whatever, and, really? and like half of them were missing whole books of the Bible. And I didn't discover this till two or three weeks into it. People are like, hey, are we not a fan of First Corinthians? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> Did each Bible, were they missing the same book
1: in the Bible? No, Bibles? they weren't. No so it was a way. nightmare. So
2: I had to like gather them all up and then they shipped us new ones and Crossway totally took care of it. But it was like numbers on the screen. And we're going to take a little bit of time. And I was such the curmudgeon because people are like, can't we just use our phones? And I'm like, you can if you want to miss out nah. on the fullness of what it means to like hold physical copy. Like that, to me, actually, even 15 years ago, I, and it probably didn't have the language for it. But I was like, I think there's significance in this because so much yeah. of what's screen related is just passive recipient of information. right? Yeah. It's how we... View TV and movies most of the time, and the idea of like physically holding something yeah. uh, I thought was really interesting. And you know, the, how we've engaged with scripture over the centuries has looked drastically different, right? Yeah. It was, I mean, it was an oral tradition, and then it was a, a written tradition where you would gather together so the people and someone would read it. Then it was a printed tradition. And I think the thing with the digital tradition, and maybe it's not a tradition yet, is that it does really highlight searchability, which on one hand, I'm super grateful for yes. like it's you know how many times have you Googled like what's the verse about it's really helpful but even thinking through how utilitarian that is yes. sometimes like that that sometimes gives me pause like is am I missing something and she actually references a buddy of mine started the crowdfunded bibliotheca that's a buddy of mine that I went to college with really it's this really beautifully designed Bible uh, without verses or chapters and it's designed in this it's so it's stunning um, and he made like, a, you know, it raised over a million dollars. Like it was this like people crying out for a long form print physical. And I think that kind of response shows we people are wanting something to distance themselves from this purely yeah. digital engagement. And I think sometimes as as churches and pastors, we're not doing enough to actually speak to that.
1: I guess a fascinating conversation. What she says is something we've just done within the last couple of months at our church. And that is uh, we stopped putting full. Uh, verses on the screen, and instead we put the, uh, you know, the the tag, you know, yesterday, first John, or on Sunday, first John 4, 1 through 6, with yeah. the page number. Oh, nice. Uh, and then we every time I say, hey, if you don't have a Bible, we've now stuffed the chairs with Bibles. Right. And we said, if you don't own one, you can take it home with you, but if you didn't bring one, go ahead and open it. And then I've had to learn exactly what she said. I have to then pause and wait until I kind of hear stuff not moving anymore. So you're doing this right now. I am, but Good it didn't come from me. It came from our elders who said, I feel like they said, we have no reason, we have no data for this, but they were perceiving that, that there was a loss in not having people open their Bibles on mm-hmm. Sunday morning and that it was having some sort of effect. And I said, okay, we can do it this way. And I've actually uh, enjoyed it. Uh, it's interesting that she references this survey about e-reading in the Christian Bible that you talked about earlier. It says some users reported that it is harder to view a digital Bible as something set apart from other content displayed Mm. on their screen. Mm. I think that's really fascinating. There's something to that because if it's all utilitarian, which is usually how we decide, it's like uh, I've got this phone. I've got this app. I have every – translation possible what's the problem here yeah right there is a beauty there's something about the written word i think that she's touching on here that's important
2: well and even just to harken back what i was saying about how how this has progressed since the beginning of time right in it in an oral tradition it's about the community's words right it's about this like engaging with this content together in a in a written tradition it's about the church's words it's like a fixed sequence words were heard and memorized and then you you know when when we get print now there's a lot more like individual ownership you have chapters and verses there's reference but it's also like you can read it and study it so with this kind of digital age now it feels like individual access is key mm. and we search and scan rather than like sit in and meditate. And yeah. that's not true for everybody. I think you can really sit in and grapple with, even if it's on your iPhone. Yeah. But the platform, like we said this a couple of weeks ago, right? Technology is not good or bad, but it's not neutral. Right. It, it is shaping us in some way, shape, or form. And her question about is this something we should be leaning into or disciplining or discipling people away from yeah. is so timely. And I don't know that I have a good answer for I it.
1: Don't, I don't know that I do either because I've certainly do well from reading on my screen, but yeah, and even like now I think about it, I love to get books at the library and read the book that I could easily have on my Kindle. So I don't know, there, mm. but there's like no, like there's nothing that we can exactly say. We can't be like, Reading your Bible on your screen is sinful. No, it's actually good.
2: Yeah, totally. Is Keep reading there your Bible something there.
1: about she closes it this way? She says, "In a word-centered faith, the ability to read well is central. As a people of the book, Christians have a particular calling to preserve and promote the gift of deep reading from physical Bibles. That's Pastor good. can model and lead." and teach this way.
2: That's really good, man. I love that. This is, do you see now why I think she's so brilliant? She is. She is. We (laughs) need
1: to have her on sometime. You guys, uh, we would love to know your, what you think about this at Facebook at the common good radio show. That's the common good radio show. We'll also link this to Twitter at common. Good talk. Uh, that is at common. Good talk. Well, we're going to do a story coming up next. I don't know if it's a feel good story or a sad story, a uh, couple gets married again after a husband with dementia forgot his first wedding. Uh, we're going to read that and probably cry with you. That's next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Uh, Radio show on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Well, before we jump, uh, we're going to do a little curveball here. Before we (laughs) jump to the topic we just teased, uh, you had some more thoughts in the break about the one we just discussed. Karen Swallow Pryor's uh, article in Christianity Today called Screens Are Changing the Way We Read Scripture. And guess what? We're the bosses of the show. So when you say, let's go that route, we could go that route. What were some of your uh, follow-up thoughts on that?
2: I just, can I just read some of it? I would love Because I feel like we just didn't have enough time to get in all of this. So this section is called Paper or Pixels. The act of reading is not natural to the human brain. While scientists see reading in terms of evolution and adaptation, reading is, in some way, supernatural or at least unnatural. In her book, Reader Come Home, The Reading Brain in a Digital World, Neuroscientist Marianne Wolf explains that reading is not hardwired in the human brain the way language is. Not only does the remarkable plasticity of the human brain make reading possible, but the activity of reading creates new circuits in the brain. These aid in learning abstract and creative concepts that go beyond the brain's genetically programmed functioning. Reading demands, quote, extraordinary cerebral complexity, Wolf says, and the brain requires years for deep reading processes to be formed. Our reading habits, therefore, have the potential to shape our brains for good or for ill. I'm going to go just a little bit more if that's okay. Yeah, keep going. Deep reading activates regions of the brain related to touch, motion, and feeling and helps develop the background knowledge that we bring to further reading and living. Quote, Mm. the consistent strengthening of the connections among our analogical, Inferential, empathetic, uh, empathic, and background knowledge processes generalizes well beyond reading. Wolf explains: when we learn to connect these processes over and over in our reading, it becomes easier to apply them in our lives. Her findings seem to confirm the truth of Psalm one nineteen eleven: "I have hidden your word in my heart, mm. that I might not sin against you." Cognitive science shows that our brains work one way when accustomed to reading in logical, linear patterns, and another way. When continually bouncing from tweet to tweet, picture to picture, and screen to screen, Wolf's research shows that reading on digital devices does not create the same kind of brain circuits as deep reading. In the book, The Shallow is What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, Nicholas Carr cautions, calm, focused, undistracted. The linear mind is being pushed aside by a new kind of mind that wants and needs to take in and dole out information in short, disjointed often overlapping bursts the faster Mm. the better and i just i don't we don't have time to like react to that i just want to like we got time send that out in the inner because i think that's so fascinating because i feel it there's like 17 tabs open on my laptop right now hopping from thing to thing i'm in grad school even the the difficulty it is for my brain i'm feeling it to just sit down and read 80 pages is so i don't think i struggled with this this hard 15 years ago and I can't help but wonder if, like, how we're engaging digitally isn't affecting that, at least in some capacity.
1: I, I, You know what? When I have one or two days during the week where I'm really focused on sermon prep and yeah. I've got, like, a stack of books and I bring them to the Panera with me and I'm just reading through them, a lot of times I find myself, like, not being able to get through the whole section before checking my phone or checking the, There is, – it is a problem. Yeah, right. It is an issue. And, and I think we all sense it to be an issue, uh, but then to see science behind it, you're like, oh – Okay, it is an issue, which totally. then talks about the next generation. Like, how are we going to grow them in their love for Scripture That's and right. how they consume it? I think it's huge, man. I totally agree. Anyway, uh, well, making a big left turn. We'd encourage you to read that. That's at Christianity Today, Karen Swallow Pryor. It's really good. Uh, really good. Uh, this story, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Yeah, please a do. A uh, couple gets married again after a husband with dementia forgot first wedding. Bill and Anne renewed their vows at a small ceremony in their back garden. A dementia su- sufferer, uh, he remarried his wife of 12 years after he proposed again when he forgot their first wedding and was convinced hmm. she was his new girlfriend. Bill Duncan, 71, has been with Anne, 69, for 18 years, but had forgotten parts of their life together due to her his illness. Over the past nine years, Anne has cared for bill full time. And he, he now struggles to talk. So she was shocked when he popped the question last week <laughs> Anne was sure he'd forget, but convinced she was his new girlfriend, smitten bill persisted and kept asking when they would walk down the aisle. Come on. They tied the knot in an emotional garden ceremony at their home in Aberdeen on sa- on Saturday. And Ann said, they are as happy as ever. Anne said, we'd been to a family member's wedding earlier in the month. Uh, and clearly it touched Bill as he turned to me not long after and said he wanted to be with me forever. Stop. Uh, Bill had forgotten that they were married because of his dementia. Uh, he struggles to talk, so she was shocked when he popped the question. He said, I had some friends coming over on the weekend and thought that they would uh, be the perfect time to have our second wedding. Every day he asked me about our wedding. And finally, on the 17th of August, I walked down the aisle with my wonderful husband, 12 years After our first wedding, we renewed our vows, surrounded uh, by really good friends. And when you go to the end, let me just read this. Uh, She said, Bill has been so affectionate ever since I accepted his proposal. Since getting married again last weekend, newlywed Bill has been on cloud nine, believing he had just wed his beloved girlfriend and Anne couldn't be happier. Again, she said, Bill's been so affectionate ever since I accepted his proposal, lavishing me with kisses and cuddles. (laughs) Since his diagnosis, his displays of affection have become scarce. So to have all of this love radiating from him towards me has been truly wonderful. Our ceremony in the garden was very emotional, and I'm just so happy that he still loves me this much. After all these years of battling dementia, Hmm. Bill's a wonderful man and has always brought joy to other people's lives throughout his career as an entertainer. And he'll never stop bringing joy to me. What? I mean, just. Wow. Tearjerker. Uh, and I just love that he seems like, I don't know if you've ever dealt with anybody who had uh, who had dementia, who had Alzheimer's. I had a grandmother die of Alzheimer's. And like, you do forget who they were before, right? Uh-huh. Like you forget. And I can't imagine that in a marriage situation, no. even though, you know, we've all vowed through sickness and health, right. to, till death do us part. Uh, and so she gets this like glimpse back into who he was. Right. and Just the way the mind works. It's just so, it's just really heartwarming.
2: I'm super fascinated too by the, perseverance of love in the yes. face of like truly devastating neurological sickness like, yes i don't know this is gonna make me sound curmudgeonly as well but it feels like there's so much flippancy in the area of vows and love and commitment and so true we commit but if it doesn't work out then i mean the, the i was just listening to a podcast too that was talking about the speed with which hollywood couples break up sometimes just like less than a week. Yep. And I'm like, why are you even bothering with the ceremony? Like that just seems, and now you're just making a mockery of the whole thing. It seems like, and for him to have this seemingly really earnest, honest, like deep love and affection to the point where it like powered through whatever his body or brain was struggling to do and landed the same conclusion. I just have to marry this girl. I have to, isn't that crazy? It really is. I think that's beautiful. It is beautiful. He said at the
1: friends at the, uh, Family was waiting before that. She said, Dancing together helped us forget dementia for that moment. And it was like my old husband was back in my arms. It was beautiful. Like, have you seen those clips going all around of like people with Alzheimer's who just aren't there? Uh-huh. And then like a song comes on and you yes. think, like, A, I cry at them. Oh, and same. I'm like, Oh, and but there's B, a documentary about that, by the way. Is there really? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of documentaries. <laughs> uh, but, but B, just like, the the reminder that just because they you know the mind is going that person that loved one is still there and and to see the vows that like you said they committed to one another are still holding tight I don't know we, you and I like we like to throw out stories sometimes that don't have some deep point well maybe this does have a deep point I think it does maybe it does what what am I doing there maybe this does <laughs> yes, love your absolutely. spouse well stay totally. committed
2: totally and uh, that that's the that's the the beauty of marriage yeah the, the documentary is called Alive Inside uh it came out in 2014 it's a it's an Alzheimer's documentary specifically but um this guy kind of stumbled accidentally onto that he was working in a hospital or maybe even just volunteering and there's a guy who had been nonverbal for like years and found out when uh he was born and found some music like from his childhood popped in the earbuds and the, he like lit up and started singing no and dancing way. and he's like is there something to this and so they do this with like hundreds and hundreds of patients across the country now people who have been completely non-responsive pop in some of their favorite music from their childhood or from when they were married and their brains are lighting up and they're speaking for the first i'll get choked up just thinking about it's you gotta go watch it it's a beautiful documentary about the power of music and love and i don't that kind of stuff this is kind of what we were saying too we want to we want to there's so much ugliness in the world yes sometimes we just want to throw some beauty out there uh, and we've done that today, giving you Huntley Brown in this story. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to take a right turn for tomorrow's show. So
1: we would encourage you uh, to read that article. And, uh, and you know what? If you're married, love your spouse well yeah. till the end. Love your spouse. Live up to your vows. Love uh, them well. Well, speaking of right turns, we're going to go from that emotional nice story to <laughs> the craziness that is the end of the show where our producer, PJ, and Keith Conrad, our executive producer... Uh, find crazy stories from the internet that's coming up next here on the common good AM 1160 hope for your life here's some weird stuff we found on the internet here's some more weird stuff we found on the web welcome back to the common good AM 1160 hope for your life that music only means one thing it means the craziness of the way that we end our show every every day uh, is just uh Weird, weird stories from the Internet. Sometimes you and I look at each other and go, ah, I don't even want to keep reading this. (laughs) That's most Uh, of the time. Like yesterday's spider in the ear story. But other times. Why would you bring that back up? Other times we're just rolling and thinking they're hilarious. So we'll see what today has. But first, there are
2: 52 (laughs) great date suggestions. You've emphasized a different word of that sentence every time you've done this.
1: In the ebook, Date Night Ideas by Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, free from focus on the family. Just download it now from 1160hope.com keyword marriage. That's 1160hope.com keyword marriage.
2: Where do I put the keyword? I don't know where it asks you for it. It I don't see it anywhere. All right, you're first. Well, oh, do, well, do I search the word marriage? I'm going to figure this out. Marriage. Well,
1: you click on the link and it asks for the keyword. Probably. What link? There's no link. Okay, you can't question the reads that we have to do. There it is. <laughs> there so there you got to
2: type it in the search bar. And then winter. Yeah, there it is. Okay. 1160hope.com. Keyword, (laughs) marriage. We'll walk you through it if you need help. All right. Out of England. Parents shocked by python slithering out of daughter's room. Oh, Oh my gosh. Animal rescuers in Britain said a couple were shocked to find a three-foot python slithering around their five-month-old daughter's nursery. Oh, my... RSPCA said the Tadsworth Surrey couple spotted the python exiting their daughter's room earlier this month and heading down the stairs. The baby's father called his brother, as well as the RSPCA, which I don't know what that is, and the local police, and the girl's uncle was able to arrive at the home in time to corral the snake and take it to a friend for safe storage in a terrarium until it could be collected by rescuers. The young royal python was very friendly, so I was sure he was an uh, escaped pet from a nearby home. I took him to our uh, took him into our care, but thankfully we were able to find his owner and return him. Snakes.
0: Why did it have to be snakes?
1: We need yep.
2: we need a new a snake A snake one.
1: That snake, yeah, one's a snake one. Uh, it said the next door neighbor, it was their python had been missing since May. <laughs> Holy cow. Washington state. Man says Ariana Grande told him to cut power lines to keep KGB from spreading toxins. That checks out. I think so. A 41-year-old Maple Falls man reportedly seen cutting power lines and damaging meter boxes told sheriff's deputies he was doing so as instructed by Ariana Grande to prevent Russian KGB agents from poisoning the U.S. with nuclear toxins. Uh, Deputies responded after witnesses reported that a man named Greg had cut power lines in a meter box. Oh, Greg. uh, He allegedly then cut power lines from a power pole and inside a power meter box. That is where deputies found him still cutting lines. He told deputies that he worked for the U.S. government and that he was disabling the boxes to prevent Russian KGB agents from poisoning the U.S. with nuclear toxins transferred through power lines. Hmm. He also reportedly said Grammy award-winning recording artist Ariana Grande told him to do it and that he worked for the U.S. military.
4: We're through the looking glass here, people.
1: Here's here's my question.
2: Yeah. What if if he's telling the truth? That's very possible. Also, didn't we learn on the show that she pronounces her last name Grandy? Nope. Was that not on this show? Was that another show that I I didn't know? my
1: my kids are right in the wheelhouse of Ariana Grande, and that's at least hello.
2: I do know Grande is not how she pronounces it. Mm -hmm. I know that for a
1: fact. We're going to test that one out. All right, Canada. Heard of that
2: though? That you concur? It is. It is Grandy. It is Grandy, which that's a whole other segment. Whatever, Canada. Police search for suspects after one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. A cheese shipment goes missing? That's a lot of cheese. Police in southern Ontario say they're on the hunt for a man who allegedly made off with $187,000 worth of cheese. Provincial police say the cheese went missing from a business in Oxford County last Friday. They say a man came to business and claimed a shipment of cheese that was originally bound for New Brunswick, but after the man allegedly loaded up a trailer and drove away, reports surfaced that the shipment never arrived at its destination. Guess the drop before he goes to it.
1: Uh, it's a cheese drop. But I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of one. All right. what do you think? No, no idea. Okay. Cheese, it's good. That was a great cheese drop. <laughs> in in reality, that that ship was heading for Wisconsin. Was it though? I think so. Oh, straight up the Mississippi. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Indiana toddler taken to hospital drunk on schnapps. Grandma oh, arrested. No. An Evansville woman is facing a neglect charge after police say the grandchild in her care drank enough alcohol to send him to the hospital. Uh, The child's mother says her mother, 42-year-old Chantel Merriweather, was watching the child. When she picked him up, he was falling asleep and drooling. She says she asked Merriweather, there's definitely a Simpsons drop coming, by the way, Yeah, what was wrong. And she said he was just tired. The mother said when she got the child home, she realized he was drunk and called an ambulance. Police say they went to Merriweather's home and she told them the child must have grabbed a bottle of alcohol because it wasn't where she left it. (laughs) Officers said Mayweather told them she found the bottle with the cap on in the child's toy bag. The child's mother told officers there was a bottle of alcohol on the bed when she arrived to pick up her son. Meriwether was arrested late Thursday afternoon. Her bond is set at $1,500 cash.
4: My name is Barney, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Mr. Gumbel, this is a Girl Scout meeting. Is it? Or is it that
1: you girls can't admit you have a problem? Oh my God. I win. You do, you do win.
2: Well done, Brian Fromm. Another Canada man tried to evade officers by rolling through cow manure. Ooh. <laughs> Provincial police say a man rolled through cow manure in an effort to evade officers in Prince Edward County this week. Authorities allege the 23-year-old man was involved in an early morning collision on Friday and ran from the scene. They got reports about 1 a.m. of a gray vehicle found in a ditch and a man hiding in the bushes. Police say the man had rolled or crawled into cow manure while trying to evade officers. The man is facing several charges, including failure to stop after an accident and driving while under suspension. (laughs) Is that, is that Back to the Future? I don't know, but that was, that was that would it is, fit really yeah, well. that
1: was really good. Manure. All right. Uh, speaking of manure, it's been a good show today. Wow. <laughs> B minus to that. Uh. My goodness. We are thankful for all of you who listen. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Join us again tomorrow from 4 to 6. You've been listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.